0: last week, I found out through Facebook that a distant aunt of mine had passed away. And it was interesting because what happened was then people that knew her, I got to see how they remembered her. And so as they were posting on the obituary that was listed on Facebook, I remember her as this. I remember her. I remember her when. And that's really, you know, When we pass from this world to the next, people are going to remember us in some way or another. And really, in the study that we've been doing all summer, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, that's what we're doing. We're looking at these lives of faith. And we're saying, wow, this is how they're remembered. Moses was remembered this way. Abraham was remembered this way. Because God wanted us to remember them for their faithfulness. But what about us? What are you going to be remembered for? Are you going to be remembered for a life that was lived by faith? Are you going to be remembered as a person who loved the Lord? Will you be remembered as a follower of Jesus? What are we going to leave behind for others? God has given us the examples of living by faith. But we have a decision to make. Do we choose our way or do we choose God's way? The writer of Hebrews is pretty clear on which way we should choose. We're going to start tonight in Hebrews chapter 12 with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The writer of Hebrews is saying, look, I've just given you numerous examples of the power of faith. For those that choose to live by faith, they can persevere through all that God commands, no matter how difficult it may appear. By faith, they can endure whatever trials God appoints to them. And they can lay hold of the promises of God by faith. And if these ones can live, suffer, endure, and conquer by faith, shouldn't we also? Week after week, we've studied these examples of living by faith to discover that that faith is not just wishful thinking. It's just not a positive mindset. It's more than just emotion. It's more than just the knowledge of theological truth. We were challenged by these lives of faith. We were challenged by how these men and women chose to live their life. And they passed it on to us to show how faith works. Through them, we learn that faith always involves the unseen. Because if we can see the steps all laid out before us, that's not faith. That's planning. And this is what scripture says about planning. Proverbs 19.21, You can make plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Proverbs 16.9, We can make our plans, but the Lord will determines our steps and then we're back to our definition of faith in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 faith is confidence in what we hope for in assurance of what we do not see see the world tries to tell us that seeing is believing God says no believing is seeing because when we believe that God is all that he says he is That's when we see. And through this cloud of witnesses, we've learned so much about faith. In Abel's story, we saw how faith wins God's approval. It was by faith that he offered his sacrifice to God. It was in worship and humility. In Enoch's story, we saw how life lived by faith pleases God. Enoch walked with God for 300 years until God just walked him right into heaven. When Abraham left Ur, not knowing where he was going, but simply following God's command to go, we learned that faith steps out and never looks back. Abraham stepped out for God and left the results to him. A life of faith means I'm going to be the man or woman that God wants me to be no matter what. It's following God's lead and leaving the details to him. When Abraham took Isaac to the mountaintop in Moriah, we learned that faith holds nothing back. Faith goes all in for God. It doesn't withhold our dearest and our best from him when Moses' parents kept him hidden from authorities, and when Rahab hid the spies, we learned that faith risks everything. With the blessings of Jacob and Joseph to their children and their grandchildren, we were reminded that faith always, always looks forward. When the walls of Jericho came crashing down, We learned that faith through obedience can bring down walls of impossibility. There was no way for the Israelites to take that city. But God was able to. But God had a plan. See, our faith can find assurance in those two words, but God. We may be unable, we may be weak, we may be flawed. But God is able, but God is perfect, but God is strong, but God is holy. What we saw in the stories of Gideon and Samson was that by faith God empowered them and used them in their weaknesses to accomplish his purpose. And because God can use them, God can use us. Through the martyrs, the ones that were tortured, the ones that suffered, we learned that faith comes with a high price. But we also learned that our suffering has a divine purpose. In every one of these stories, we see that faith is not a passive thing, faith requires action. Our faith should energize us. It should invigorate us, empower us, and compel us to run with endurance the race that God has set before (coughs) us. And this race isn't about speed. It's not about whoever gets there first. That's not this kind of race. This race is about not quitting. It's about enduring till the end. It's all about finishing. A few weeks ago we had the Olympics on, the Summer Olympics, and there was one story that was hitting all the, the news stations. It was with two runners. <coughs> one was an American woman and one uh, was from New Zealand. And one of the women, she moved into the other lane and tripped the runner there. And so she fell. And so <coughs> the woman who tripped bent down. She stopped in her race to help this other woman. And they both got up and they started running. But one of the women hurt her ankle. And so the one that had fallen before, she came back. She stopped to help the other woman. Because they knew how important it was to finish the race. We've got to cross together. And so that's what they did. They helped each other just to finish the race. Because when you're in a race, you just want to finish. And that's what faith is all about. It's... It's about God saying, are you going to run the race? you just got to finish. But wait, that's not all. There's more. The greatest thing that we can learn from these stories of faith is that living by faith isn't easy. The Christian life is not a walk through the park. Sometimes we think that the life of faith should be easy. Nothing is further from the truth, and if anyone tells you it's easy, they're lying. <laughs> this imagery of a life of faith being erased, it's because it's strenuous. It's rigorous. It requires self-sacrifice, discipline. It requires every ounce of energy that you possess. It means that you're always moving forward. Always looking ahead. The race in this life of faith is is one of obedience. It's a pursuit of holiness as we become more and more and more like Christ because He's holy. We would like to think that the whole Christian life can just be wrapped up in a neat little box with our belief in Jesus' life and resurrection and our repentance. That's just the beginning. You know, that moment when you confess your sins and and you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's the man with the gun firing it to start the race. That's the beginning. That is the beginning of the race. That is your journey. The track, the path that we run that's marked out, it's in here, it's in His Word. The rules to observe in our race, they're in his word. The difficulties that we need to overcome, the dangers that may lie ahead for us, the source of our strength, all laid out in his word. So that we're without excuse. So that when we give up, when we quit, and we don't finish, the blame is ours alone. But when we do finish, he gets the glory. Amen. The writer of Hebrews is reminding us that we have to strip off every weight that slows us down. Do You ever watch the runners? They're not wearing winter jackets. They're wearing as little clothing as possible because they don't want it to slow them down from running. Each of us needs to do an honest search of ourselves. Stand before God with his word and determine what our weight is. It's going to be different for me. It's going to be different for you and you. But we need to figure out what that is. What's holding us back from living these lives like they did? What's holding you back from living that life fully dependent and trusting in God? See, our weights are those things that that we hold tight to, that hinder us from God using us in all the ways that he could. It could be the cares of this world that choke out the spirit of prayer in us. It could be habits that dull our conscience or worldly pursuits that push aside our spiritual appetites. If we're going to run our race, if we're going to live by faith, We must be able to cast these things off so we can run. Paul said it best this way in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another... I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying, I'm casting it all off because it's garbage compared to knowing Christ. He recognized that he had to cast off the weights that held him back, slowed him down so that he could live by faith and be used by God. But how do we do it? It's good. Oh yeah. Okay, we've learned all this, but now what? What do we do with it? How do we run this race with patience and perseverance till we get to the end? The writer of Hebrews gives us the answer in verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. The stories in the hall of faith encourage us, and they show us how the strength and power of God can work through us so that we can persevere, so that we can endure the trials. But our eyes are supposed to stay fixed on Jesus because it's him who gives us the strength It's Jesus who shines in us in this dark world. Jesus is the one perfect example of what faith is and what a life by faith looks like. He's the author of our faith through his death and resurrection. He sets the ultimate model for us. Never has any man so cast himself into the will of God than Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Jesus fulfilled that perfectly and completely. He's our model for living by faith. We see through Jesus a life that was lived by faith completely dependent upon the Father. He lived a life of faith in communion with the Father. And he lived a life of faith in complete obedience to God. And he lived a life with full confidence in the unforeseen future. Our text says that he was also the perfecter of our faith. He doesn't just model for us what we should do. He actually helps us do it. When we accept him as Lord and Savior, his grace flows in us. It helps us live by faith. And then as we yield our lives and our wills over to him, he draws our heart away from the distractions of this world. So that we will fix our eyes on him. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to seek his companionship in all things. That's why we suffer, because we hold tight to some of these things. Say, no, I need this, I need this, I need this. He says, you don't need it. I'm here, you need me. He wants us to look at him constantly, trustfully, submissively, and expectantly. He knows what hinders us in this race. And he knows what slows our progress in living a life of faith. He understands that the more we fix our eyes on him, the easier it is for us to strip those things away. When my son was little, a toddler, he loved holding things. He everywhere he went, he had to have something in his hands always. There was always something in his hands. But he didn't always grab the best things. One day he had grabbed a pair of scissors. And but he got so excited because he had never seen them before. So he was, and so he started flailing and and so what we had to do was offer him something better because we couldn't just reach in and grab them because that, they were scissors. That would have been crazy. So <coughs> we offered him his matchbox card. Oh, look at this card. Do you want this card? Do you want... And suddenly, as he looked across and saw that there was something better, he released his grip on the scissors and he dropped them. But that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to see that he has something better for us. Better than anything that we will ever find in this world. And that's what the people in our hall of faith recognized. They knew that God had something better for them. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city that was designed and built by God. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. He's looking ahead. Moses thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. You see, these Old Testament saints, they kept their eyes fixed on the promise. They didn't even have Jesus. They didn't have the fulfillment of the promise yet, but they kept their eyes fixed on it, and that's how they endured We have Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. So we can look behind to see the fulfillment of the promise. And he's here helping us through the life of faith. And we still have to look ahead to his return. Is that awesome or what? (laughs) Jesus' joy was doing the will of the Father. Because he anticipated with great joy the eternal reward. That was waiting for him. The more we dwell on the joy that's set before us in Jesus Christ, the more we look forward to the glory with the hope that we have in Jesus, the more strength and patience that we're gonna to have to run this race. And we'll be able to live by faith. See, Jesus suffered more than any other human being ever will. He endured the cross. He endured its shame to bring salvation to us. There's no ordeal that any of us will ever face that will match what he had to do. There's no stress. There's no trial as awful as his. No suffering of ours can be as shameful or demanding as what Jesus went through. And that's why we have to fix our eyes on Him. We have to fix our eyes on Him because He's the victor of our faith. He knows exactly where you're at, He understands the stress you're facing and the pressures you're in. He's sympathetic towards the struggles that we experience. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, He becomes our joy. And he becomes our motivation. Because in him, we find our strength to persevere. In him, we find the patience to keep moving forward. Because what happens is when we fill our, love, our hearts with the sacrificial love of Jesus, we're going to want to strip those things away. We're going to want to strip off the things that disrespect him. We're going to want to strip off the things that don't honor him. Because... He's in us. He's filling us up. And when we consider what he's done, how can we hold on to them? See, if we, if we just let go of those things on our own, oh, I should give this up, so I will, it's real easy to go back. It's real easy. That temptation will always be there. But when you give it up because you want to honor him, When you say, this is disrespectful to my Lord, and I want to have the joy that He has. I want to bring Him glory. He's your motivation for letting it go. Then you don't want to go back. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? How do we know? What percentage of your day is spent in God's Word? What percentage of your time is spent in prayer? In quiet time, really listening to the Lord speaking to you. What percentage of your time is spent in service to Him? Open your checkbook. How much of what God has given you are you keeping for yourself? How much are you using for His kingdom? How much are you giving back to him? When you answer those questions, then you'll begin to see if your eyes are really fixed upon Jesus. The struggle to live a life by faith is real. But we're in this together. We're all broken, we're all flawed, and we're in it together. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord promises to finish the work that he started in us. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. But we have to take that first step. We have to take the step. God won't take it for us. So what is God calling you to do today? By faith. What step is he asking you to take? By faith. Because God's always leading us somewhere by faith. But sometimes we pretend we can't hear Him. Or we let our fear take over and and push faith aside. As we run this race, there are going to be hurdles to overcome, there are going to be things from this world that try to come into our path and distract us, throw us off course. We're going to experience pains and injuries and hurts. And we're going to be passing a baton onto future generations. And as you pass that baton, what will you be remembered for? A life lived by faith. One who stepped out in faith when God called. A person who loved the Lord above all else. One who led the way for others to follow Jesus? One who risked opposition from the world to remain faithful to God? Or one who gave up the pleasures of this world for the sake of the cross? What are we going to leave behind for others? God has given us the examples of living by faith. And he's given us a perfecter of our faith in Jesus Christ. We have a decision to make. Do we choose our way or do we choose God's way? You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, encouraging you, proving that the race may be hard, but keep going, keep persevering, because the heavenly prize, the glory of Christ, is priceless. Church, may the Lord give us the courage to step out in faith and follow him wherever he leads so that we'll be counted among his faithful. God is calling us right now to move from this community to a whole new community. (coughs) Change is always hard. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus with every step we take, he will strengthen us and he will guide us all the way to the finish line. And so we take this move, this next move of, of one location to another by faith in anticipation of what he's going to do through us. What's better than that? Holy Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence with us here this evening. You are awesome, Father awesome, 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 and you are holy, 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 Father. I'm without words standing before you. I pray a blessing upon every soul in this room, Father. I thank you for each of their lives. I thank you for their stories. I thank you that they are seeking you, Father, and that you are reaching down to use them, Father, and I thank you for that. As we leave this place, Father, May we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.